Holy Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This sermon was actually born um, more than two months ago on, uh, on October 13, to be precise. Uh, that date being a date I remember precisely because it's the date I had the surgery on my inner ear, uh, which as of two and a half months later has successfully eliminated the vertigo episodes I'd been having since uh, dealing with my Meniere's disease. I am most grateful. My doctor had told me going in, however, that in the course of making things better, in the long run, he told me that things would uh, actually first be worse in the short run. And uh, I won't spare you the details, some of them are a little ugly, but it proved to be true. And so coming uh, out of surgery and then moved to my room, I had really no pain at all. Um, but it felt like I was in the midst of a vertigo episode. And so I did all the things that I've done whenever I've had these vertigo episodes, those things being having the lights turned off and keeping my eyes closed and lying on my back as still as I could. My nurse for the night came in and she introduced herself. I, I, uh, I squinted my eyes open just a tiny bit, but she wouldn't stop spinning, so I, I had to shut my eyes. Um, she told me that her name, uh, at least this is what I heard with uh, only one functioning ear and no hearing aid, she said her name was Melia. I repeated that. I'd never heard the name. I said, Melia. She corrected me uh, gently. Uh, she said, Malia. I said, Malia, I think you're the first Malia I've ever met. She said it was a Samoan name and that she had extended family still in Samoa. And then she finished up some things um, that she had come to do, like making sure I could find my call button, even with my eyes closed, and um, also some medication. She said she'd be back in an hour or so for those. And as she left, she said, she paused, and uh, I think she was near the door, my eyes were shut. Um, she said that Malia 
was the Samoan version of Mary. Well, there I was, room dark, eyes closed, tired but not sleepy, with even just the thought of opening my eyes to look at my phone or a book or the TV making me nauseous. So what's a guy going to do with nothing to do than what you do in your head? Well, if you're nerdy the way I'm nerdy, you, you do a Bible study in your head. Uh, a Bible word study, to be precise. When Malia came back to give me my meds, I said to her, uh, eyes are still closed. Uh, I could not recognize Malia if she was here today. Um, I said, Malia, I don't know if this is your um, tradition or not, and I don't even actually need to know, but, but I, happened, um, I happened to be a Christian. And I wanted to tell you, if this just confirms what you've already determined, and that is that one of your patients for the night is a very strange man, I will not go on. But I wanted to tell you that not being able to do anything with my eyes closed uh, to keep the world from spinning, what I've been doing is thinking, and what I've been thinking about is different people in my faith tradition who share your name. And this led me to realize that, that by the time you follow the story of your name throughout uh, the Bible of my tradition, uh, you find yourself reflecting on almost the entirety of the story that the Bible says is the story of God's love for God's world. I said I could say more, but I, I realized that may have been more than you wanted to hear. She said, you may say more. Poor thing. <laughs> I said in the Hebrew language, uh, the language of the Bible's Old Testament was, was written in, um, the name for Mary is actually Miriam. And Miriam is a name that goes back almost to the very beginning of the Bible, back to the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, where Miriam is the sister of a, of a kind of a big deal in the Bible, a man named Moses who, according to the book of Exodus, God sent to the land of Egypt to lead God's people out of slavery under a king called Pharaoh and into freedom back in the land of their ancestors. And as part of their escape from Egypt, the book of Exodus says, with Pharaoh and his army chasing after them to bring them back to slavery in Egypt, they were miraculously able to cross the Red Sea on dry land, and now they were free. At which point Miriam, it says, led the women in a song and dance of praise to the Lord who had miraculously freed them from their slavery in Egypt. Centuries later, I said, in the Bible's New Testament, which was actually originally written in Greek, there's another Miriam. Although she's in Greek, she's called Maria. And it says that an angel miraculously appeared to her and told her that she was going to miraculously have a son who would not only be the prophet the Jewish people had been waiting for pretty much since Moses, but would also be the savior who would save not just Jewish people from slavery in Egypt, but all people from even deeper slavery. And the angel said that she should name him Jesus. And this Miriam, this Maria, could hardly believe it except she believed it. And then she went to see her cousin, a woman named 
uh, Elizabeth and she told her about the angel and the promise and Elizabeth believed it too. And then this, Miriam, just like Miriam, the sister of Moses, sang a song of praise to God, who through her son would lift up the lowly and the poor and the oppressed and take down the haughty and the greedy and the oppressors as he saved people's hearts from slavery and bondage to the power of sin and save people's bodies from slavery and bondage to the power of death. In English, I said, we know this Maria, this Miriam as Mary. But in Latin and also Spanish, which were widely used early on in the church, just like in the Bible's Greek, she's called Maria. But here's something you might find interesting, I said. In Latin and Spanish, the R in her name isn't a hard R or a pirate's R, Maria. But rather, it's an R that is pronounced with almost a flip of the tongue. And so that R ends up sounding almost like an L. So there we are, I said to my nurse, all the way from Miriam to Maria to Mary to you, Malia, Maria with an L. She said to me in Samoan, the L and R are used almost interchangeably. Then she left. She said, thank you for sharing that. I like to learn things. I'd have no idea how much time passed until so she came back to my dark room and me with my eyes closed to keep the world from spinning. Uh, but when she said, I said, so Malia, Still had nothing to do but think. <laughs> so I've been thinking more about your name in the Bible. And if you're interested, uh, or if you've had enough of this kind of thing, you know, that, that's fine. I'll keep it to myself. But if you're interested, I'll be happy to tell you what I've been thinking. She said, I am interested. I said, there's another Hebrew word which many think is related to the word Miriam or Malia or Mary, and that is the word Mara which means bitter. And that word takes us again back to the Bible's Old Testament to a book called the Book of Ruth where a woman named Naomi lived with her husband and her two sons in a little town you may have heard of. It was called the little town of Bethlehem. But when a famine comes and crops all fail, they go to a different country, a country called Moab. And not long after they get there, Naomi's husband dies. And then her two sons marry women from Moab. And then shortly later, both of her sons die. And then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, I'm going to go back home to die. But you, the two of you, this is your home. And you're young and you're beautiful. Stay here and live and love. And one of them hugged and kissed her mother-in-law and then did go back home. But the other, whose name was Ruth, wouldn't. She said, don't tell me to leave you. Where you go, I will follow. Your house will be my house. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. When I die, my body will be laid next to yours. So the two of them, this young widow and this old widow, went to that little town of Bethlehem together. And when they got there, the whole town said, Naomi, is that you? She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, right? Which means bitter. Because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. As the story goes on, young Ruth catches the eye of a well-to-do and also kind farmer in Bethlehem. His name was Boaz. 
And he and Ruth married, and they had a son whose name was Obed. And Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son whose name was David. And David became the king of the land. He was known as a great king, the greatest one they'd ever had. But when he died, the kings that followed weren't so great. And eventually, the kingdom fell to other kings and kingdoms. And life was hard, but people remembered a promise that the Bible's prophets had promised, that being the promise that one day God would raise up from among them a descendant of King David, and he would be the greatest king of all, and his kingdom would be the greatest kingdom of all. A thousand years later, a descendant of David was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And his, says the Bible, would be the greatest kingdom, for he would be the king of kings, whose kingdom would be the kingdom of heaven, where finally no one would suffer and peace would reign, and it would be so forever. His mother's name was Mary, which is related to the word Mara, which means bitter. And 33 years later, she would know the bitterness of watching her son suffer and die on a cross. But on the third day, she would come to know something so much greater than the bitterness of her grief, that being the depth of her joy. When come Easter, she would know that her son's love for God's world was stronger even than death. And on that Easter morning I went on, there was a still another Miriam, another Maria, another Mary, another Malia. She was from a town called Magdala. She was therefore known as Maria Magdalena. And she came to the tomb, says John, on that Easter morning. That's right, Malia said, Mary Magdalene. I went. Yes, I said, who loved Jesus so much and was so sad that he'd been killed. But then he, risen from the dead, appeared to her outside the tomb, but she didn't recognize him, I think, because she'd been crying so hard and her eyes were blurry. But then he said a single word, and when he did, she knew it was him. And the word he said to her was her name, your name. He said, Miriam, Maria, Mary, Malia. And she then... Not the male disciples, Peter, James, and John, those guys, they were all locked up in a room, afraid that what had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them next. So Jesus told her to go find them. And then she then, she, Miriam, Maria, Mari, Mary, Malia, became the first person ever to preach an Easter sermon. As she told the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And it took a while for it to soak in, but eventually they came to know that Mary's son's love for them and the world was stronger than anything they'd ever been afraid of, and so there wasn't any need to be afraid ever again. Then I said, eyes are still closed. Are you interested in just one final thing about your name in the Bible? <laughs> I mean, it was a long night, I'm just telling you. She said, yes. I said, some say there's a connection between the word Mary, your name, and Mara, which means bitter, and 
the word myrrh, which the Bible says is one of the gifts brought to the baby Jesus by those three kings or wise men, who the Bible says brought him three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And some think those gifts were prophetic in the things that they said about Mary's son, even though he was just a little one. For gold, they remind us, is a gift for a king, and Mary little, Mary's little one was indeed a king, the king of kings, the king of the kingdom of heaven. And frankincense, they remind us, is used in worship, the way some traditions still use incense in worship. And they remind us that Mary's son is also son of God, to be worshipped. But then there's also that third gift, myrrh, the one that might be related to your name, Aliyah. Myrrh was a precious spice, which among other things was used to prepare bodies for burial. And with that gift, we are reminded that the, that king, that son of David, and this Lord, this son of God, would establish his reign not by conquering the world with strong armies, but by dying for the world with love that not even death was as strong as. And there you go, Malia, I said, tracing your name throughout the Bible. We've now heard pretty much the whole story of what the Bible says is the love story of God's love for the whole world. She said, thank you for sharing that. A few minutes later, she came back in. She said, my shift's over. It's been nice to meet you. She left, and I thought back on our conversations, and I thought to myself, because this is, this is how I think, is, is there any chance in the world that all of that might actually preach? Uh, like on the fourth Sunday of Advent this year, when we will actually hear Mary sing her song, and we will hear the angel say, even though she couldn't understand it, but nevertheless she would say to the angel, let it be to me according to your word. The fourth Sunday of Advent, I reminded myself of this, I knew this, because I knew it was going to be the next time I was going to be in the pulpit after my knee surgery. Um, it was going to be on December 24, Christmas Eve morning, which it occurred to me then would be a great time. I mean, what a great way to look ahead to Christmas Eve, just hours away from Christmas Eve, to join Mary right now in this getting ready for Christmas prayer to welcome the Christ child. Let it be to me according to your word. And then I prayed. Uh, I said, Lord, I cannot write any of this down right now, and I don't imagine I'll be able to write any of this down for in a week. So if this is meant to preach, let it be. Which, if you're the kind of nerd I am, lying there with your eyes closed and nothing else to do, finds you then singing. Can't help it. The song whose title and refrain actually quotes Mary and Luke 1. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. Indeed.
Indeed, indeed, indeed. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord of light, to shine in our darkness. Come, Lord of life, to raise us from death. Come, Lord of love, to heal this world as only love can. And as you come, Lord, let it be to us according to your word.